Welcome to the Avail Podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're sitting down with Miles McPherson. Miles is the pastor of Rock Church in San Diego, an author, speaker, actor, and former defensive back for the San Diego Chargers. Today, we'll be digging deep and getting practical regarding his book, The Third Option, Hope for a Racially Divided Nation. So lean in and let's get started. We are back, everybody. (laughs) We are back for another episode of the Avail Podcast, and we are with an amazing leader, pastor, author, hey, former NFL football player, Pastor Miles McPherson. It's good to have you, Pastor Miles. What's up? How you doing? ¿Cómo estás, mi amigo? Muy bien, Pastor Miles. ¿Cómo estás? Bien, bien. Pastor Miles and I have been practicing. I've been helping him practice some Spanish. So this has been good. Pastor Miles, I've been looking forward to this connection here on the Avail podcast for quite some time. Honored that you would be here with us. And we're going to we're going to jump into a, a very important conversation with you about about your book, The Third Option, which has blessed my life. I've learned from it. I've preached from your teachings and preachings on it because I've been that blessed by it. Yeah, give me a royalty, man. Gotta give me a royalty. Yeah, I'm going to send it over. I'm going to send it <laughs> <laughs> Before we get to that, can you just share a little bit about your stuff? I know there's some people leading in, some people rem- remembering who's who's Miles McPherson. Share with us a little bit about your story. Grew up in New York, uh, had a dream to play in the NFL, played Pop Warner football, high school, college, went to a Division three school, University of New Haven in Connecticut, and I uh, was the first player drafted in the play in the NFL. I went to, drafted to the Los Angeles Rams, got cut. And then went and played four years with the San Diego Chargers. First two years I was doing cocaine and not walking with God. Mm. And then um, some of my teammates shared the gospel with me on the team plane. And, and they just shared the gospel with me with their life in the locker room. Wow. But on the tank, on the plane, they confronted me and really pinned me down to what I believed and what I go to heaven. And I had just been doing cocaine in the bathroom on the team plane. And so we had a really good conversation. And, you know, after that, still continue to do cocaine. Went to a crack house with my teammate. He did crack. I, I did powder cocaine. And mm. that was a kind of a scary situation to see him uh, smoking crack and how it affected him. Mm. And then one day, one morning, I was five o'clock in the morning. I had done cocaine all night, and, and I just said, God, I can't do this anymore, and just surrendered my life to Christ. And that was the last day I did cocaine. <clears throat> Gave my life to Christ that day, committed my life. And and, the, and then I started, you know, sharing the gospel in churches and prisons and schools wow. and started Bible study in my house. And uh, here we are, you know, 38 years later, uh, and pastor of a church, Rock Church, here in San Diego. We have five campuses and obviously online as well. So uh, blessed to be here. Wow. You know, I think stories like yours are stories that that inspire and motivate all of us uh, to see what God can do, right? What God can do when you open up your life and your heart. Um, you know, I want to get right to it. And, 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 you know, one of the things that you've shared about, about, and I've heard you share about how growing up you experienced racism, right? And you experienced it not just from one side, from both white and black people. You know, tell us a little bit about the pain that racism has caused you growing up and and how the Lord helped you turn that into a tool for unity. 
Yeah, great question. You know, so I have a white grandmother, half black Chinese grandmother, two black grandfathers, and uh, my black mm -hmm. grandfather who married my white grandmother, he wasn't allowed in the front door of a house. When he married her, they cut her off. They lived 15 minutes from us, and I never even knew that mm -hmm. until after I started writing this book. Um, so they just completely cut her off. Um, I lived in a black neighborhood, went to school in a white neighborhood, um, got harassed in the white neighborhood because I wasn't white, got harassed called white boy in the black neighborhood because I wasn't black enough. Mm. And so I was always kind of feeling like I was in between, yet my family was diverse and my football teams were diverse and we all got along. Mm. Martin Luther King was um, alive at that time. He was killed when I was eight, so, but I do remember him and remember feeling, what are we going to do now? Because I looked to him to fix all this. You know, obviously that's what he was, life was about was trying to heal the racial divide in the country. And ever since then, I've been thinking, you know, it's been gnawing at me because I've experienced it growing up, my, my family, my brothers, sisters, and had an opportunity to write this book called The Third Option and take all that pain and all the, the insights from being in the middle because I had white friends and black friends, obviously in my family and in the community, but there was a division between them and having thought about how to bring people together all those years kind of came to fruition in this book called the third option. Now I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a beneficiary uh, of this book. I remember being at, at art conference, you know, and, and at another conference, Christ fellowship. I think when, when, when your book had first come out, can you just share with us a little bit about, obviously we, under, we understand kind of where it comes from, but what's the heart behind it? Tell us a little bit about the third option. You know, if you look on television or, or just listen to the conversations with you and your family, there's this us versus them spirit in the, mm -hmm. in the world. You know, you're either for or against the police or for or against uh, a public Republican party Republican, Democrat, Fox, CNN. Mm -hmm. um, and we seem to be divided over everything. There's a spirit of division. And so you, you have one or two options. And if you pick one side, you are automatically the enemy of the other side. And you can't ever agree with them or you become a sellout. And yeah. they cancel you. So you're walking on eggshells. And every time you're in a conversation, people listen for code words or what side you're on, us or them. Mm -hmm. The third option is that we honor what we have in common. And if we focused on the things that we had in common, instead of first going to the things that where, where we have differences, and that's where a lot of people are, they kind of size you up to see, are you <laughs> like me or not like me? Versus saying, no, let's focus on the things that we have in common. So that's what this book does. And if we can give honor and value to the fact that we all have pain, we all have dreams, that we're more similar than different, all kinds of ways. We're all equally human. We're all made in the image of God. And with that comes the ability and responsibility to love God and have a have a relationship with God. And if we could focus on that, and we all have the same mission to God, of God to glorify him. And if that would be our focus versus the peripheral issues of, the, of society, then we would see ourselves coming together versus positioning ourselves against someone and for someone else. Yeah, that's good. You, you know what I what I really like about about your book, the third option, about this book, and and the way that the Lord just inspired it to you, is you gave at least for me, you gave us some language, you gave us some terminology to help us describe something that we know or we've noticed, but we just haven't been able to put our finger on it. And I'll, and I'll explain. And I'd like for you uh, to share a little bit about you, you talk you talk a lot about 
how easy it is to get divided. Like it's just in society and culture, it's so easy to get divided. And you taught me something that, that I just, I had never really paid attention to, which is in-group bias and out-group discrimination, right? And you have, it's awesome when you talk about this. And I know this is, you talk about this in the book. Can you talk to us a little bit about those two? Yeah, we all self-segregate every day. You know, when we walk into a room and, and this is not only racial, this is in every area of our life, we walk into a room, we talk to people and we're automatically sizing them up. Are they like me or are they not like me? Mm -hmm. Are they going to believe what I believe or not believe what I believe? And people who are like us in any way, whether it be gender or socioeconomic, uh, um, uh, uh, class, mm -hmm. ethnicity, obviously, language, accent, <clears throat> clothes, we, we size people up and then we say they're like me. That's my in-group. Mm. Or we say they're not like me. That's my out group. We not we won't say necessarily those words in group, out group, but that's right. what we're doing. <laughs> and once we identify someone who is like me, we think that they're I'm going to be more comfortable speaking with them. I'm going to be more comfortable hanging out with them. I'm going to give them preferential treatment. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to them more readily. Uh, I'm probably going to give them the benefit of the doubt quicker than the people who are not like me because that's suspicious, unknown. It's over mm -hmm. there, mm -hmm. and those people. We do that all the time. And if we would recognize that, we would also recognize how quickly and how much bias we walk around, how we see everything through a lens of our own biases. There's this term called social narrative, and it's a story that shapes how you see the world. And it was all the information you gathered growing up from your parents, your neighborhood about who is safe and who's not safe, who's smart, who's not smart, who is like you, who is not like you, who you should be like and not try to be like. And it, you may not have heard exactly those words, but that's what you were, uh, the conclusions you were coming up with. And you grow up and create this bias that those are the safe people. Those aren't the safe people. Those mm -hmm. are the people I should talk to and not talk to. And so what happens is now you're looking and you're filtering everyone, us, either in your group, in group, or your out group. And when you identify the people who are like you, you give them in group bias. I'm going to be more comfortable and, and give preferential favor to them. The people who are not like me, I'm going to give out group discrimination. They're not like me, so therefore they belong in this category, them, <laughs> those people, and I'm going to kind of shy away from them. When, in fact, we're all more similar than different. So we need to take those glasses off and put the third option glasses on and realize that everybody is more similar to you than not. <laughs> Everybody's made in the image of God. Everybody has blood. Everybody has a heart. Everybody has you know, a brain and they may not use it, but they have a brain. <laughs> Everybody has a destiny that God's put on their life. And if we focused on that and erased all the other, not erased them, but acknowledge that the other distinctions aren't reasons to categorize people away from us, that we need to look at the distinctions that categorize people of our in-group. Yeah. I think the key of what you're saying is the truth is we all do this. Like, and it, and sometimes, sometimes it may be intentional, right? I, you know, I, I don't want to hang out with my out group. I want to be, my, and sometimes even unintentionally because of how we were raised, because of the normal, the social norms we've seen and experienced, you know, or just the discomfort. Um, so we're here at Avail, Pastor Miles, you know this, we, we're targeting um, Christian leaders, whether they're pastors, ministry leaders, people that have influence in the church, in the community, in the marketplace, you know, leaders. I want, I want you to just share with just, why why do you think so many leaders and and I'll be honest pastors are are so afraid to talk about division racism um especially especially white pastors 
Um, um, I think everybody might have issues and challenges, but can you talk to us a little bit about why that is and then how the third option can help all of us? Great question. And you're, and you're right. White people have different history with racism than people of color, obviously. And in this country, in America, because racism and discrimination is global, it's not a white black thing. Mm -hmm. it's, a, mm -hmm. it's a human thing. It's global. But in this country, um, white pastors are going to think, OK, I'm inexperienced at dealing with racism. Racism was always, I'm not a racist, it's over there. Mm -hmm. And people of color had to be experienced the brunt of it all our lives, not only our lives, but our you know, fathers, grandfathers, et cetera. Um, in <clears throat> white churches, the white pastor's concern is what are my white followers and congregation gonna think? What are they thinking? Because <laughs> yeah. you know, if I, am I gonna put am I gonna make them feel like I'm coming after them? Because a lot of times when white people hear this topic, they they're, they brace for being called a racist. You know, one of my topics in the um, in the training that we're going to talk about, because we have training for pastors and, mm -hmm. and churches specifically, is there's a, there's a topic on blind spots, not knowing what you don't know. And when you don't know what you don't know about this topic, it can be very scary because am I going to be called a racist? So white pastors have that disadvantage of not having grown up experiencing it and talking about it and being engaged in the topic. And so there's a fear of the unknown. And um, that that's mostly my, my experience. I, I don't know a lot of black pastors who have a problem other than offending some of their white congregants. The, the, the issue is that uh, racism is sin and God has created us all in his image and he's called us all to be one in Christ. And we don't, we're not one in Christ just because the Bible says so. We have to live that out. And we have to acknowledge the things that divide us. And, and racism is one of those things. The third option gives the opportunity for pastors of all shades to say, how do I how do I have these conversations about the similarities we have that were made in the image of God and that God loves us and has a plan for our life? And that if my black brothers, my Latino brothers, my white brothers are in pain, I understand what that means because I understand what pain means. I understand what being discriminated means to some degree or whoever that person is and so we have to realize that there's this this training and book gives people opportunity to learn about similarities learn about grouping learn about blind spots and realizing one of the most powerful blind spots i can be racially offensive and not be racist mm -hmm. something that 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 probably whites have to realize more than anything if someone accuses you of offending them it doesn't necessarily mean you're racist. Now you may be, you may have racist by racial uh, racism in your history, et cetera. <laughs> and, but you can be innocently ignorant and your innocent, innocent, ignorant statements can be hurtful. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are racist. And that's one of the things to help people work through, because if people don't realize they could be racially offensive and not be racist, they will deny anything they do is racially offensive and never learn because they, they will just deny I'm not racist. I'm not racially offensive. So I have nothing to learn. And so that that's a big hurdle for people to get over. But once they get over that, then they can learn and not carry the condemnation of having to be a racist. By the way, if you are racist, guess what? God can heal you because that's what he's all about. And so it's better they acknowledge it and then let's move on. That's good. You know, one thing I like that you mentioned, um, Miles, is that 
uh, racism is a global thing. And I think it's important for everybody, especially in the States to understand that, you know, my family, I was born in, in South Florida here in the U S my family's from Colombia, South America. Colombia. And I remember, I remember Colombia, tu amas a Colombia, no? Yes. Me gustaría visitar Colombia. <laughs> I'm going to take, take you there. That's about, but but um, I remember going as a kid on my summer vacation to, to be with my my aunt and my cousins in, in, in Colombia. I remember um, seeing racism happen in, in Latin America, in Colombia, you know. So it's not this thing about, oh, this is a U.S. This is a global thing. And, um, and, 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 and I feel like sometimes people have this instinct to say, um, I think – innocently they're, they're not trying to but they say oh i don't see color right i don't see color and something that you talk about is there's a beauty in in acknowledging and seeing color can you touch on that before we go into the the training yeah yeah, yeah. And, I, and i'll say a couple of things racism is spiritual before it's political that's right and so to all the pastors out there racism says because you have a different color accent whatever mm. The image of God in you is inferior to the image of God in me. Wow. It is not political first. The politics is a way of executing that point of view. And so we have to realize it's it's spiritual. By the way, it's spiritual first. It's relational second. Mm -hmm. And then it's political. And mm -hmm. so, um, but to answer your question, white people don't say about white people, I don't see your color. It only happens when people of color are, are in the conversation. Your eyes process 90% of what your brain activity, <clears throat> shape, motion, depth, and color. Your eyes can't not not see color. I mean, we all know that, but I think we have to realize, think what we're saying. Because I, I remember the first time someone told me they didn't see my color, and I was like, I thought they were colorblind because I'm thinking they must, they're not really saying that. And they said, no, no, I, I see all red, blue, and yellow. I just don't see your color. I was like, how ignorant is that? Mm. And so we do see color and we need to be color brave, not color blind and realize that God made my color just like he made your color. Matter of fact, um, my color and, and diversity is actually variations of things we have in common. Mm. This is a color. You have a color. Everybody has a color. We have variations mm -hmm. of color. And so the 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 fact that you you think you don't see color i was talking to a young lady who went to hawaii and she went to get a tan and she laid out seven days to get brown okay which is a whole which is somewhat comical to us brown people <laughs> and and to, it seems like a natural thing i'm going to go get brown and i'm going to change my color so people can appreciate my brownness but yet when i see a brown someone who was brown from the womb i don't all of a sudden don't see it Think about the irony that. So we celebrate a tan we get in Hawaii, but we invalidate a tan we get in the womb. So I think we need to back up and go, wait a minute. Wow. Let's be biblical about this and not, not have these ways of skirting around it. But here's the thing. God just wants us to love each other and appreciate who we are based on his design and his creation. And so instead of saying you, you say you don't see color, see the color, acknowledge it, and give honor to it, just like you give it to yourself. When I say honor, value it. The Galatians 6.2 says, bear, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. With color comes a burden. And if you ignore the color, you're ignoring the burden that comes with it. You're ignoring the conversation that needs to happen. 
And so I think if we come, if we come alongside each other and say, look, I want to learn about your life. I want to learn about who you are and, and help. And, and, and by the way, I want you to learn about me and let's walk together down this journey because there is division. And if we work together and pray with each other and love each other, the way Jesus talks about, um, we can actually heal the divide that we're experiencing. Yeah, I love this. I love this conversation for a lot of reasons. Um, and I think it's so important for, for us as leaders, ministry leaders, uh, pastors to get this. Here, here's what I found. And I, and I want to start segueing into the training because I think it's something that could be ve a, a very important tool for so many pastors, churches and ministries. Uh, he, here's something I've noticed, and I'm sure you have, Pastor Miles. It seems like so many times it's well, that church, oh, that's that's a white church. That's a that's a that's a black, that's a gospel church. <laughs> that's a Hispanic, that's a Latinos, right? And by the way, a position I've felt in, in in a lot of this is kind of in the middle, right? Um, as a Latino, right, right? Because in Latinos, there's white, white, you know, tone, Latinos, black tone, but at the same time, people kind of from both sides looking, and I and and during during all the racial tension the last couple of years was interesting. Cause, cause I'm connected to both and I feel part of everything as well. Almost, almost like I see all the colors and I love all the colors, but then feeling like, what do you think? And I'm like, well, I'm for both. I'm not for one. And so here's my point. I think so many churches and congregations and communities tend to look alike. How beautiful is it when a church looks like what heaven's going to look like, you know, and some churches and pastors are doing such a great job at this. Um, and I think that we want more churches to do that. And I think if pastors are honest, we all want that. But I can't help it. Sometimes I look at my congregation. I'm like, there's so many Latinos here because I'm Latino, but it shouldn't be that way. There should be more white people, more African-American people, more, you know, people from, from Asia. Like, I want to see, I want to see God's creation all in my church. So let's talk about that training. Let's talk about what you're seeing and, and how this can happen. Can this happen? Uh, uh, diverse churches? Yes. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we, I, I pastor a church called the Rock Church here in San Diego. We're 20, we just celebrated 22 years. We've been diverse since day one. We uh, we match pretty much the demographic of San Diego County. Um, we self-segregate on Sunday morning. It's the most segregated hour of the week for the most part. Whites go to yeah. church with whites. Blacks go mm -hmm. to church <laughs> Cubanos go to church with Cubanos, <laughs> right? And, and and even even in the Latin community, I, I, I preached a sermon in Spanish a few years ago, and in preparation, I invited all the Spanish speakers to a service so I could practice. <laughs> and we had fifteen nations in that room of Latin nations, Latin nations. That that's just my Latino community, right? Awesome. <laughs> However, I was told how much tension there is just in the Latin world. Yeah, and as you, you know what I'm saying, and and as you know, the, the Spanishes are different from Cuba and uh, Puerto Rico and then uh -huh. Mexico, right? Mm -hmm. it's so it's, like, it's so different. But anyway, um, we self segregate on Sunday morning, and we go to church with people who are like us. And you know, to some degree, I get it. There's different styles of music, different styles of worship and preacher. However, in some points, it's like I don't want to be with them, right? And so we kind of defeat the purpose of showing the world that we really love each other. And that's a bad on us. Um, and so, but it is possible because I lived there for 22 years. Our, our church, every, every aspect of our church from the board all the way down uh, to the, to the, the preschool that we have is diverse. 
and it is the United Nations. It's it's a beautiful thing to see. I'm blessed because we didn't really do a whole lot to intentionally do that. Um, uh, but it is a re it is one of uh, our distinctives, and it can happen. And guess what? It's going to be in heaven because all the nations are going to stand before him. And so it's going it's going to be in that. And he told us to make disciples of all nations. Uh, you know, there's a thing in banking called redlining, and and banks would draw a red line around a community on the map and say, you know, we're either not going to do loans in that community or we're going to hike the rates. And it was based on ethnicity. Churches redline. Wow. Churches choose the neighborhood they're going to reach because those are the people who are like them. Now, not like them in the image of God, not like right. them in humanity, not like them in, in, in the ability to glorify God or experience pain, but like them in the way they look. Mm -hmm. and that is what churches and I would talk to all the pastors who are standing out there. I'm a pastor, so I'm talking to my peers. Are you redlining? Are there communities in your county, city that you don't go to because you don't feel like you can be effective or you're not? You don't think God's called you? Well, I, I would challenge <laughs> you to really pray on that and ask God who he's called you to serve. Because if God's only called you to serve people like you, you're almost saying God can't use me in that neighborhood, and that is absolutely a lot. Whether you're an innovator in ministry, business, or your community, Avail Plus is designed to take you to the next level. What is Avail Plus? It's an exclusive leadership resource that offers access to brand new premium resources like books, study guides, and masterclasses. It's a chance to connect with other leaders on live calls and classes. It's early access to materials no one else has held in their hands. It's the catalyst to your next season of growth as a leader. To find out more about how you can become a member of Avail Plus, head over to theartofleadership.com dot com forward slash avail dash plus. Woo. So good. <laughs> I love it. All right, Pastor Miles. All right. So I, I want to get into the conversation about the online training. You and your team have developed an online training. Talk to us about this. Who is it for? What is it about? How is this going to help us? Yes, we created basically a diversity, equity, inclusion training. And based on the book, The Third Option, and everything I'm going to describe is for churches, K through 12 uh, Christian schools and K through 12 public schools and businesses, police departments, uh, 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 um, uh, school, public schools, mm -hmm. and, and et cetera. We've done both. We're doing both. We're on both wow. sides of the faith community. And there's a lot of, you know, obviously a lot of businesses require DEI training. We call this similarity training because mm -hmm. it's training on how we're more similar. The basis of it is how we're more similar than different. And even though we talk about blind, unconscious bias, blind spots, we talk about labeling, et cetera, it's all based on the fact that we're more similar than different. So when it comes to the faith-based version, it's actually a small group curriculum that you can take your church through. And what we would love to do is provide training for people in your church. And as they get the training, then they can now take your small groups through uh, the, 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 the course. There are six sessions in the course. Each session has a 12-minute teaching video where I teach on something, whether it be um, um, similarity or grouping mm -hmm. or blind spots or labels, which I hope we can talk about labels in a minute, Yeah. or being a brother, sister's keeper, or the last session is on having race consultations, which we'll also talk about. But each one of these 
teachings is about 12 minutes. And then there's a workbook. There's a facilitator guide and, and then a participant guide. And the workbook helps guide discussions and role plays where they actually get to act out the lessons. And so this gives people, as you said, a language and a framework to have mm -hmm. these conversations and also to understand the biases that they have, the blind spots they have, how to learn about those blind spots that they have, and then walk more in unity. You know, the Bible talks about, Jesus says, you know, you, you were taught to love your friends and hate your enemies. I'm love your neighbor, hate your enemies. I'm telling you, love your enemies. Well, if you just switch that out and say, love your neighbor and your outgroup, hate your outgroup. <clears throat> We, we tend as believers say, well, if they're not my neighbor, I don't have to love them because the Bible says love your neighbor. Right. Well, if I change the label to <laughs> something other than neighbor, I give myself a pass. <laughs> the, the Bible doesn't give us that freedom. So right. we, we help people understand that, but then walk it out and practice it in the small group. So this, the, the third option, similarity training, is there for churches to take their small groups to. What we would do is train the people and give them support for that. Um, and then they can take it through their church. That's cool. How, how, if I, if I say, Hey, I'm interested in finding out about this third option, similarity, similarity training, online training, you know, program curriculum, how can I find it? Where, how do, what's the best way to go to get plugged into it? Find out more information. Go to the third option training.com. And I know you can put that on your screen, third option training.com. Mm -hmm. And they can, and then they'll, then I'll walk them through the church version if you're in a police department or a public school mm. or you're a Christian school, there's versions yeah. and they can click buttons and get that information. The third option training.com. That's awesome. I, I encourage leaders, pastors, community leaders, or if you know somebody who could really benefit from this, send them to the third option training.com. Um, I, I think it's really great that you've done this pastor miles because you're putting a, a resource in the hands of leaders, communities, and organizations that's actually going to make a difference. Like it's, it's, this is actually going to help. Um, uh, why would you, why would I, as le as the leader of an organization, why would I, and how would I benefit from doing this online training with my team? The reason you would do it is to equip your church to love more like Jesus. It's, you know, anything that divides us is not of God, right? Mm -hmm. God is one. He's not two. Well, even though he's a trinity, but the trinity is one. They're unified. Matter of fact, the fact that there's a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that are, are one, it is a picture of unity. That's what God calls to, to live out. Um, racism is about dividing us. It's about us versus them. And so this is going to help, um, especially be, because of the division caused by racism, it's going to help you have language and ways to talk about those things to bring people together on a topic that a lot of people are just not talking. They're just staying over here. <laughs> and so it, it'll help. Let us be the bad guy to say all the things that may, may be uncomfortable for you to say, but also to empower your staff and your church to have these conversations and to live the gospel out uh, more transparently. I love it. Can you, can you tell me what, What's you've been doing this? You guys have been doing this. You've been walking some people through this and organization. What's the most common like aha moments <laughs> that people get when they go through your training? And, and I, uh, before I tell it to you, I'm going to say this is the most common with white people, black people, Latino. Mm. I didn't realize I had so much bias. Wow. And, and probably one of the biggest lessons are two things. One, the one you mentioned, in-group, out-group. I didn't realize how much I self-segregate with people who are like me. 
right. automatic. Can't boom, 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 we do it. And and you know, you see people with purple hair, you're like, they're not like me, so I'm over here. Well, you, you have no idea what that's all about. You don't know who they are, and we just put people in categories. Yeah. Um, that's one. The other one is labels. Um, labels, which is one of the lessons in the training that is probably my favorite. When you label something, you put a cap on how much you can love that. Person. Wow. If I call you, wow. you know, a, a derogatory name based on your accent, mm-hmm. I just dehumanized you to a level lower than neighbor, brother, mm-hmm. you know, son of God. And therefore, I can't love you. I can't even see above that label. If you call someone wow. ugly, you can't see above ugly. You can't see pretty. If you call someone dumb, you can't see above dumb. You'll never see smart. Yeah. God gave us unlimited labels. He said, no, you're my son. You're my daughter. You're blessed. You're anointed. You're called. Uh, you're destined, right? You're an heir. And so when God, when we, when we put labels on people, we cap how much we can love them. And we attribute everything about that label to that person, everything negative or positive as a blanket statement. People are multifaceted. So I think um, people, when they take the course, they realize, wow, I do that all the time. When we watch television, the media or social media, we are given labels about certain people. Yeah. And we just, we just do it. We believe it. Oh, they're a Republican. Oh, they're a they Democrat. It. They're mm-hmm. a liberal. You know, they're a conservative. And uh, they're a patriot. And as soon as we hear that word, we attach all this stuff. And we're like, one, you don't even know who that person is. I, I was talking to, a, I was doing a training for a DA's office in Texas. And there was a prosecutor on the call. And he says, you know what? We use labels to get conviction. Because if we can convince the jury that someone is a rapist, Everything ugly about rapists, which is everything is ugly about rapists, we attribute to that person. And great, if they're rapists, they need to go to jail. However, that's not all they are. They're mm-hmm. someone's son, they're someone's father, blah, blah, blah. And so we have to be careful. And I'm not saying rapists don't need to go to jail. Trust me. <laughs> but when we label someone yeah. in the community or yeah. our family, we have to realize that that label you give them is not all who they are. There's more to it. And they, and more importantly, they are made in the image of God with the ability to be redeemed and transformed. And that's the, that's the focus we have to put our hearts and minds. So the training is going to help people realize that. And I think when people go through it, they realize where they fail at that and how they can get back to that. That's good. Um, <laughs> it's funny because as you were talking, I'm thinking, man, this even happens within the Christian church. You know, <laughs> even even when you think about denominational differences or worship style preferences and liturgies, and 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 you kind of feel like, oh no, I'm not like him, or, or they're they're different than us, or and, and it gets so easy, it creeps in, and so so I think I see your aha moments is I didn't realize how blind I was to how this affects me in so many ways and and in addition to you know skin color or ethnicity and all that even in even in, within the church it's it's such a real it's such a real thing um pastor miles maybe we can as we kind of hit the final stretch if we want to be a part of the solution as leaders as individuals as members in our community as members in our churches and our organizations you've mentioned a few already but what just getting practical what are a few practical things that we can do. I mean, you, one you've already mentioned is practical is acknowledging that I have blind spots. That's a practical step of, Hey, 
I have to acknowledge this. So what are a few practical thoughts, ideas that you want to leave us with today? Well, I, I would have leaders definitely get the book and look into the training mm -hmm. and learn what this is. Because, you know, to tell people to do something that they haven't been able to do for decades is probably going to not going to happen. Sure. Um, but I think in getting the book is short of that. And, and in our training, the very first discussion we have is to pair people up and have them compare and list all the things that they have in common. And when you realize that the, the, hmm. the things you have in common, and I'll, I'll give you an example for all the people who are uh, conservative. Okay? OK, you're white conservative and you look at someone who's black liberal and not all whites are conservative, not all blacks are liberal. I'm just picking two specific sure. groups that you have more in common with that person than not, than differences. I was in a prison speaking and it's, I had a conversation with a white supremacist intentionally went up to him because he was walking around. I didn't know him. Went up and talked to him. He and I are 99.5% genetically identical. We have more similarities and differences. Mm -hmm. And so I would challenge all the people out there to find someone that's in your world. Hopefully you have someone in your world, your circle that's of different ethnicity, gender, socioeconomic, whatever. And just say, hey, let's, let's compare the things that we like, things that we want to be in 10 years and how we would want to be living in 10 years and um, and list all the things you have in common. It's, it's a pretty innocent exercise. Mm -hmm. And you'll start realizing, wow. And if you can just do that and see, start seeing people through that filter, even people, I'm looking at Ukraine, these people in Ukraine who are crying. I don't speak Ukrainian. I'm not Ukrainian. <clears throat> I'm not white. I, you know, I, 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 but I understand. I, mean, I understand. I know pain, not like yeah. that. Right. I can imagine leaving my wife and kids to get on a train to go someplace. I don't know where they're going. And I mean, there's so many things we have in common with those people that give us compassion for them. Mm -hmm. And you could do that with all, every person on the planet. So I would challenge people to start seeing the, through the lens of how are we the same versus how are we different? That, my friends, is a great, great piece of advice and a great practical suggestion could even be a great exercise in your staff meeting, you know, in a training as you're going through the similarity, similarity training that Pastor Miles has put out there, the third option training.com. And, and you said earlier, getting the book is a, it's a good step. This book has been a huge blessing. Um, I, I want to mention uh, just on the practical side, I remember hearing you uh, teach on this at a conference and there was a couple of things you mentioned on the practical side. You mentioned um, giving in-group love to your out group, right? So treating people that normally you would consider that's not my group, but giving them, can you, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Let's say I met you, right. And, and I heard your accent. Now I, I look Latin, right? When I was a kid, my father told me I was adopted from Puerto Rico. So you're, we're probably, you're not the big stress, but let's say I heard that your, 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 your accent. And I'd say, okay, he speaks Spanish. Um, I can choose to say, He's different. Mm -hmm. Or I can choose to say he's a guy, probably has a family, he's in ministry, and and lean into those things. And the only way, the only thing I have to do to convert you from being my out group to being in my in group is identify one thing we have in common. Come on. And if I identify that one thing we have in common, then we can talk about that. And, so, and then your accent, your culture actually becomes a benefit to our conversation. 
And so um, then once I convert you from being from those people to being my people, <laughs> then I give in-group bias because you're one of my people. <laughs> it's really that simple. It's really that simple. So I would encourage, again, people to find something that's similar. And once you do that, that person is now part of your in-group in that totally. area. And now you can, you know, you're free. And by the way, what happens a lot of times, people, you mean I can now be, you know, it's it's now have, you have to practice being friendly to someone who you used to think was those people <laughs> because you're comfortable with your people, but you're like, I, I actually can treat them just like I treat the people I'm always comfortable with. Mm-hmm. That's the transition. And that's, that's when that happens, people are going to realize the bias that they have because like, it's hard. It, I have to work at loving this person. Yeah. And it was all about me. It had nothing to do with them. But I, so I would say, find something that you have similar and then now consider them part of your in group and now treat them like family. Yeah, I think connected to what you're saying, you a, a phrase that you said and it stuck with me is you you have to learn to give your heart to people who are not like you. And that's something we haven't always been challenged to do. Jesus challenged us to do that, but but we haven't always been challenged or even as pastors challenge our people, give your heart to people not like you. Would you agree with that? Yeah, we have to, you know, the story was Rod Carew, a baseball player, Panamanian, black Panamanian, had a need a heart transplant, and he got it from a white NFL player who died. And unless we put, and and his mother of the white football player, they connected, and Rod Carew invited her to his house to listen to her son's heart beating his chest. Wow. And unless we put our heart in this, we're just checking the box, you know, lip service. And, you know, God wants to have a metamorpho happen in our life, transformation in our life. He wants to take out our heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. Mm. Take out our heart and put his heart in. He's That's right. His heart beats for everybody. And so, yeah, unless we say, you know what, Lord, I, I want you to change my heart in this. Give me a heart for people who are who I consider are not like me when, in fact, they are like me. Mm. Give me a heart that I may see my own bias and see how I can love better and love my neighbor as myself. And my neighbor is everybody, a good Samaritan service. I mean, story. I mean, it's like my neighbor is <clears throat> the other. And if we can get that through our heart and, and our head, you know, the Bible says a fool says in his heart, there's no God, not his head. Mm. It's mm-hmm. a heart. You may be thinking you're rationalizing it, but it really, it's a hard thing. <laughs> So that's that's what I would say. Find something similar and then say they are like me and love them accordingly. That's so good. If if people want to connect with you on social media, where can they find you, Pastor Miles? At Miles McPherson. At Miles McPherson. Uh, the website, once again, is the thethirdoptiontraining.com. Is that correct? Thirdoptiontraining.com. And we have again a faith-based version and a, and a mainstream version. So if you're, if you, hey, listen, whatever job you're at, if you're in public school, police department, business, yeah. um, we come, we come train your your staff because you're doing some kind of DEI training, and it's probably based on differences. Ours is based on similarities, similarities. and honor. I love that. Hey, everybody, if you haven't done so, you need to get this book. The third option by none other than Miles McPherson. What a, what a great resource to put in people's hands. If people want to get the book, Miles, where can they go? Amazon. 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 And they can go to our website as well. At right. Miles McPherson, they got our website. 
All right, very good. Hey guys, you need to get this book. Let me mention this real quick. The Avail Journal. Reese, we're all about resources at Avail. Uh, Pastor Miles, just like your book, The Third Option, we are constantly publishing books that are going to help leader, Christian leaders in, in the in the art of leadership. Another thing that comes out quarterly is the Avail Journal, the Avail Magazine. Would you agree that leadership resources are important for a leader? 100%. <laughs> hey, everybody, if you have an access that you can claim, your free annual subscription to the Avail Journal. I just said free annual subscription. That means you're going to get four. Come out quarterly. Uh, I would say one of the best Christian leadership resources out there. This is a multicultural, uh, uh, diverse. There there are men leaders, women leaders, white leaders, uh, African-American leaders, Hispanic leaders, Asian leaders. There's all kind of, everybody's in here that love God and that are leading. You need this in your repertoire, your resources for leadership. Uh, Pastor Miles, can I do a quick little, wait, I'm gonna get my music. You, you know, I like my music. I'm, I'm gonna put some music on. I'm gonna ask you kind of some quick, um, kind of quick response. And we, and everybody, we didn't practice. We didn't talk about this. Oh, I love this. Here we go. Let's see. Let's see. Let me hear it. Here we go. You got my music going? Here we go. Here we go. I'm paired. I'm paired now. Come on. All right. You hear, you hear that music, Pastor Miles? Mm-hmm. All right. Here we go. Question. What makes you laugh? Hear myself try to speak Spanish. <laughs> Let's practice. ¿Cómo estás, Pastor Miles? ¿Cómo te sientes? Bien, bien, bien. Necesito platicar mi español porque hace cuatro años eh, prediqué un sermón en español, pero eh, olvidaron mucha información. <laughs> I love so it. All the people who don't speak Spanish, I said I preached a sermon in Spanish four years ago, but I forgot so much since then. Uh-huh. Very good. All right. Pastor Miles, um, do you have a hidden talent that people don't know about? Um, wow. Ask another question. I don't know if I have a hidden talent. All right. Uh, favorite game you played in when you were in the NFL? Which was the favorite game or team that you played against? Uh, his favorite team was the, the Denver Broncos because um, I, I had my two interceptions against them. John Elway <laughs> rolled my interception. That was my favorite team I played against. Anybody in your life you'd like to tackle, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. You were going to say something? Oh, no, 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 that's fine. I, I, I answered your question. All right, so here it is, here it is. What excites you about young leaders? Oh, uh, this, just wonder and, you know, their energy and they're, they're, they're like ready to do anything. Remember there was this commercial back years ago before a lot of these young leaders were born about some cereal and uh, the, the the older brothers were trying to get someone to eat, it, and they said, "Let's get Mikey; he'll do anything." <laughs> Mikey was their little brother. I remember, like the, you know, the young leaders who were like Mikey; they'll do anything. So, just the energy, the wonder, the 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 ability to explore and just go for go for it, and have you know take huge steps of faith. That's good. That's good. Lastly, lastly, and then and then we'll close off. What breaks your heart right now in the world? seeing people lost and, mm -hmm. you know, people who are lost because they've never chosen God or Christians who are lost. Yes. Christians can be lost where they, yeah, they're going to go to heaven, but they're lost. They're not following Jesus. They're not loving people. They're missing out on the, the amazing walk of faith that God has for them. They're stuck. Mm. In place. I have my little job. I have my security. And it just breaks my heart to see people shunning the great journey that God has for their life. Wow. You know what you just said? This is the way the Lord kind of showed it to me recently. 
is there are people who have eternal life because if they die, they're going to go to heaven, but they're not experiencing abundant life, that abundant life. That's so good. Um, Leaders, I hope you have leaned in, taken some notes, taken down, jotted jotted down the website, the third option training.com and and put on your list. If you don't have it already to get the book, the third option, Uh, Pastor Miles resources are going to be so helpful for you, your team, your organization, your church, your ministry. Wow. This is going to be so awesome. Pastor Miles, this has been great. Can you just leave a a final nugget just on the hearts of all the leaders, whatever's on your heart for them right now? Yeah, I, I would, and I know these these kind of topics are challenging. I would filter them through God's word. Does God's word want us to love everyone? Uh, is racism and division not of God? And um, uh, has He called us really to be one in Christ, not only spiritually um, but practically living mm-hmm. that way? Um, and and really take this conversation to heart and give this path, third option, an opportunity to unite your church and empower you to actually live more unified with your community. I love it. I love it. Leaders, open your hearts, open your ears, be sensitive to what the Lord's speaking to you, but put it all through the filter of God's word. Uh, I'm so, so excited uh, to do this podcast with you, Pastor Miles. It's been really awesome. I know that our leaders that are leading in right now, receiving so much and are very encouraged on behalf of our Avail team, on behalf of Dr. Sam Chand, uh, Martine Van Tilborg, everybody who's kind of behind the Avail Christian Leadership brand. We just want to tell you, we love you. We're proud of you and we honor you, Pastor Miles. I love y'all and uh, honor all of y'all. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, sir. Hey, everybody, I hope you've uh, been blessed by this podcast. Once again, great leaders that are impacting our nation, impacting the world. And here we are at Avail trying to help you on your journey in the art of leadership. Can't wait to catch you next time right here on the Avail podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Avail podcast with our guest, Miles McPherson. You can connect with Miles by visiting milesmcpherson.com. And for more on his online training, visit thethirdoptiontraining.com. For more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com. Make sure to claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. And if you'd like to connect to our growing leadership community on Facebook, visit availleadershipconnect.com. As always, I'm your Avail Media host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail Podcast.